especially want to just uh, give thanks to our nursery workers and our children's uh, division workers. Um, really very grateful for them. And so for you who, um, you know, don't go to children's church, when we announce it, just give thanks to God for them and ask God's blessing on them as they teach our children. Uh, it's a very important responsibility. So um, ask any parent. They'll tell you, right? Okay. All right. We come to part three of this series that we've done. And uh, I want to just give a review. You, you see your um, outline in the bulletin there. And so we're going to jump right in here uh, with this review that two weeks ago uh, we talked about the true worshiper lifts up the Lord. And that means it's the undisputed exaltation of the Lord Jesus. That's, that was our first uh, message. The exaltation of the Lord Jesus, whose name is above all others whose person and whose work is far superior than any others. And we looked at Hebrews chapter 1 as uh, we started that this series and, and saw the superiority, the, uh, just how Jesus was far superior than any other. And we uh, took that phrase prophet, priest, and king and said he's the perfect prophet, the perfect priest, and the perfect and rightful king. And so that was two weeks ago. Last week, the true worshiper we talked about is to love the Lord. That's the greatest commandment. And it's the incomparable adoration of our Lord the incomparable adoration of the Lord Jesus. Because He is worthy to be lifted up and praised, you know, we, we look at and see in His Word, it's very clear. Moses relayed the information about God to the people of Israel, saying, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. The Lord our God is one. So, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and strength. So that was last week, and we, we saw different passages, um, Psalm 81, and the, the, the great commandment listed in Matthew 22, and the model of this loving worship in Luke chapter 7. And praise God, listen, praise God that He loved you first. It wasn't a matter for you to kind of figure it out. In a little bit, we're going to uh, reveal, uh, you know, just share again. Here's God's word that tells us He loved us first. And specific, we're going to get into that specifically in just a little moment here. But we praise God that He loved us first. So that brings us to today's time, uh, today's message. The true worshiper lives life for the Lord. The true worshiper lives life 
Not Sunday morning. Not Wednesday night Bible study. Not when I'm uh, filling in in Sunday school or doing a Bible study. No. The true worshiper lives life for the Lord. And that brings us to this undeserved privilege. It's an undeserved privilege. It's a grace that we can know Him and serve Him. It is the greatest privilege. It's the reason we sing. It's the reason we live. And I know my own heart, my own tendencies, and and we all share that. We can tend to, uh, again, I mentioned this before, we can tend to categorize it. Well, this is Sunday morning. Um, I'm good with that. I, you know, like the, the folks that I'm with and like the music and all that. And over here is uh, my free time. And over here is my work time. Or over here is my family time. You, you and I know it. God wants us to bring it together. It's not categorized out. It's not divvied out. God wants you to worship Him. Period. <laughs> and so, especially Romans chapter 12, one, uh, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service of what? Worship. This is life. Other passages are mentioned there under uh, the true worshiper lives life for the Lord. And it is the undeserved privilege, the great highest privilege of knowing God personally and serving the Lord Jesus in a way of reverence, in a way of uh, fear, in a way of humility, in a way of love and praise. So, that brings us to the um, content of our message this morning. Turning your Bible to Colossians chapter 3. We're looking at Paul's letter to um, that area of churches and this one in particular, um, obviously the, the letters were passed around to various churches. This one addressed to the believers at Colossae. And in chapter 3, there is um, the start of the, the second division of the letter. The first division of the letter is the, about the supremacy of Jesus in all that he has done and who he is. And now in chapter 3 and 4 is going to be the, here's the practice of the believer. So we could look at it and say, here's the position that you have in Christ. And here's the practice that you are to have and, and exercise, so to speak, in empowered by Christ. And we always need to remind ourselves it's not a matter of self-determination here. It's a matter of, by God's grace, I can do this. By His indwelling Spirit, I can do this. It's not based on my own strength. This, this issue of, of standing and preaching in front of others. There's always 
a tendency to insert myself. For any preacher, for that matter. And we, we have to be uh, remembering to pray, Lord, fill our pastor-teacher with your Spirit and use him mightily. Help him not to rely on the flesh. Help him not to rely on his own strength, his own intelligence, etc., etc. Anyway, here's Colossians chapter 3, starting at verse 12. Follow along as I read. Colossians 3, verse 12. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Um, Let's pray. Let's pray together. Father, we ask that you would be glorified in this time and help us in welcoming your word into our hearts, not just to add more knowledge, but Lord, that the knowledge would lead to wisdom in life, that we would walk wisely in the things of your word. Help me and help each one of us here in this way, Lord. We need your help. You know our frailties. You know how easily we get distracted with other things. So help us, Lord, to lock in on this and asking your spirit to do your great work for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. And so, with that reading of Colossians 3, we have, here's the picture of a true worshiper. Here's this illustration given to us. You know, we, we could have um, added more words that help us understand worship, but to wrap this up, we're just going to say, here, let's look at this picture that Paul gives us of a true worshiper. You say, well, this is for the Christian life. Yes. Okay? That's, that's the point. And so, with this, we need to, with each sub, with each point on this outline, we need to remember this little phrase. In Christ, we are, number one, totally blessed. Totally blessed. Paul tells the Ephesian church, you've been blessed with just a certain amount of blessings. No. You've been blessed in with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. And so, another way to say this first point, totally supplied by His grace. The problem is, I haven't, if I could use this word, I haven't unpacked it in my life. I can read about it. 
I can read about it in the Word, but has it been unpacked with the Spirit's help to put it into action in my life? I can know about humility, you can know about humility, but is it happening? And so, that's our challenge to get, uh, to get off on this, you know, uh, understanding what the, here's the, the details of this picture of a true worshiper. He's, he and she, they're totally blessed by His grace. Letter A starts with a new identity. We've mentioned this before. Pastor Brendan's mentioned it before. You as a believer have a new identity. And you look at verse 12, the first half of verse 12. It says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Christian, there is your identity. And it starts with, here's the initial, listen, Here's the initial process of, of election. Now, I don't, I can't, it's like, I have a hard time comprehending that. Do you? It's there in the Word. It says that God chose you before the what? The foundations of the world. Well, one way to understand it is just to say, hey, uh, the Bible says God so loved me first. <laughs> God loved me first. Well, that's where it started. Before the foundations of the world, He chose us in Him. And on it goes with the, the various descriptions of God's work of salvation, God's gift of salvation. Here's His calling. Here's the, the conviction of God through His Spirit and His Word upon your life to bring you to conversion, if you will. It's God's master plan of salvation. Your identity, He, he chose you before the foundation of, of time. Chosen of God. Then secondly, holy. Uh, by the way, I, I get it. There's plenty more. You, you can preach five years on, on this issue of theology. But we're not going to do that right now. We're going to move on. Here, here's the next one. Holy. You are holy because of Jesus. Because of what took place when the next, this next business of salva salvation came, place, came to place uh, is justification. Romans chapter 5. You've been not uh, you you've been declared righteous is the the idea behind justification the judge threw down the the hammer on the on the desk there and said you're you're declared righteous because of Jesus and not only that judicial understanding but also that you've been given a new heart and that heart is designed for holiness, to be set apart from the things of the world, to be set apart from the influence of the world, to be set apart from the affections of the world, to be designed to love the Lord your God with all that you are. 
set apart for God in His service for His honor and glory. And that leads us to the next one. Beloved. Chosen of God, holy and beloved. Now, just meditate on that. Most of you understand this story. In Luke 15, Jesus tells the parable or the story of the prodigal son. And we all have been told that's what the, that chapter is about. And yet many have, in really letting it sink in, they won't call it the story of the prodigal son. They'll call it the story of the loving father. Because how did the father respond? When he, he saw his son coming. Here's the picture of repentance and faith coming back to the Father. And the Father saw. And the Father did what? He ran. Culturally, the old man isn't supposed to do that. (laughs) Because he's to be revered. But he ran. Because his son is returning. He felt... He saw him, felt compassion, and ran. And then he embraced him, and he kissed him. If that's not the picture of a loving father, I don't know what. You know, so there's this just amazing reality that Jesus shared with us. And then Romans 8, Romans 8, 38 and 39. I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, when you're living in such a way that it's shaky and maybe depressed and anxiety and all the stuff that comes in life, let's stop and remind ourselves of who we are because of Jesus, who we are in Christ. You know what that's going to do? That'll help settle your heart and get your heart and mind set to say, let's press on. We've got a reason to live. We've got purpose to live for. Let's honor and glorify our King. And remember, he is in control. I will trust him for all that is going on. And yes, all sorts of stuff is going on in our lives. Let's zero in on these kind of things and, tr- and say, I'm going to trust God. Because of who he is and what he's done. Letter B, under number one. It's not just the new identity, but it's the new garments and you can add, if you want, garments of grace, or if you want to say garments of praise, great. But you've got new garments to put on. And again, this is a part of the believer's practice in life. It's not just going to happen to you. You and I have to respond in, in faith, saying, I, I'm going to do what Jesus has told me to do here. I want to honor him. I want to, you know, I want to learn more about him. So, yeah, I'm going to put these things on. And just make a little note if you want. This is just, 
really like here's the foreshadowing in the Old Testament with uh, Joseph's coat of many colors. His father gave it to him. And Joseph, you know, Joseph simply did what? He wore it. He put it on. That's what identified him too. There's, there's Joseph with his coat of many colors. His brothers, when they saw him coming, they recognized, there, there's Joseph. And it, similarly, Paul writes in Ephesians 6 about the, the armor of God. It's something that God has provided. Is it put on? Is it being applied? Are you reminding yourself of this? And with that, there's an interesting thought about worship and praise. Do you understand that worship and praise is like weapons of spiritual warfare? Worship and praise is a great way to respond to the enemy. I'm not going to go with that. I'm going to lift up praise in my heart right now, I might be all alone or in the midst of a crowd, but I'm going to put Christ first. I'm going to lift him up. I will praise his name in the midst of this temptation, whatever it might be. But again, that comes back to saying, Lord, I, I need the food of your word to strengthen me, to energize me, to help me walk in that way. It's not just um, saying, well, I'm going to, I'm determined to do this. I need his help and his grace. So, that's number one. The first aspect of this picture. We're totally blessed by his grace. Number two, we're faithfully guarded by his peace. We're faithfully guarded by his peace. Listen to verse 15. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Before I move on in this, number two, I, I, I recognize we haven't really dove deep into all the various garments of grace. But there you go. Go for it on your own. And just remember what Paul says here. And above or beyond all these things, put on what? Yeah. Just everyone needs to get that, right? That'll help. Beyond all these things, put on love. That's kind of the crown of this attire, if you will. So, number two, faithfully guarded. In Christ, we are faithfully guarded by His peace. And that it's, uh, uh, we recognize peace as being, um, the, there's different words that are used to interpret this. Um, rule is one. Even the idea of an umpire in a sporting event. Guarded. So, letter A is the worshiper's protection. The peace of Christ serves as protection for us. 
I love what Warren Wearsby, uh, many of you, especially you ladies, have been studying many of his commentaries on books of the Bible on Monday mornings. But uh, Warren Wearsby says this about this verse. If Christ is preeminent, and maybe I think we should say since Christ ought to be preeminent in the life of the Christian, then we will be able to get along with others for his glory. If there are differences, the peace of Christ will guard or rule in our hearts as we feed on the word of Christ, which that's coming next. So the, the necessity of recognizing here's the peace of Christ that I have because of Jesus. Now here's the next step that we're going to see in a little bit here is the, the word of Christ that we feed on for that. So we have the protection of the peace of Christ helping us. And that's got to be um, founded and grounded in the Word of God. It's real easy to think, I, I have a peace of Christ about this decision, but i got to be careful because I know my heart is uh, very selfish, self-oriented, and I can somehow convince myself, well, it's the peace of Christ that I have now, and I'm going to buy that brand new whatever because I want it. So let's beware of that. Okay? And honestly, examine ourselves in light of the Word about the peace of Christ. Letter B. This is um, the peace of Christ is the worshiper's protocol. Okay? It's how we're to relate with each other in the body of Christ. Sunday school in the last three weeks. Stephen's done a great job in, in uh, unfolding that. The body of Christ should not be, um, as Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, I am of Paul and I am of Peter and I am of Apollos. And I'm, you know, we can do that in our day and age with all the speakers out there, all the Bible teachers. And even bragging, well, I am of Christ. <laughs> and that's what he put in 1 Corinthians there. And so, let's understand this importance. It's what he says in verse 15, it's our calling, right? One of the ways in which we maintain our unity. I, I should take on the idea, I want to be a peacemaker. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers in Matthew chapter 5. And the best way to be a peacemaker is to understand the ministry of reconciliation. And this is one of the things that just messes up families and, and close relationships over and over and over again because people aren't going to reconcile. And what they've done is they've gone back to their garments of grace and said, no, I'm not going to forgive them. And what does he say? Let's forbear with one another and be ready to forgive. As who? As Christ has forgiven you. And we all need to remind ourselves, how much has Christ forgiven me of my sin? If you're a believer, how much? It's A to Z. 
He's forgiven you. If you're not a believer, your sins are on you. And you stand in judgment. Your sins are not dealt with properly. You've chosen to reject God's answer, God's remedy. And we plead with you. Be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, through faith in Jesus Christ. So, the peace of Christ is the worshippers is worshippers protection and protocol, and then let us see a worshippers prevailing. And what I mean by that is they continue to give thanks. He says in verse 15, and be thankful. Keep going with that. Paul says it to the Thessalonians. Give thanks in everything. Continue to give thanks. We have a hard time with that because, again, if things don't settle and give me comfort, I get agitated. I get bothered. And so, the more, again, the more we're in God's Word, that's going to shape us more and more for holiness, for Christ-likeness. And so, help me, Lord, to give you thanks for the peace of Christ in my life. But, listen, for me to say thank you for the peace of Christ in my life, what do I have to understand? That I've already come to have Peace with God. You can't have peace with Christ if you don't have the peace with God. And what all that's getting at, again, is back to justification. Romans chapter 5, you read that. You, again, Christian, you have peace with God. The war is over between you and God because now... You've been declared righteous. You've been adopted into God's family. You're called a child of God. So let's live that way. He's going to treat you as his child. And yes, sometimes that means loving discipline. But let's be a people that continue to offer up thanksgiving to God and what he's done. Point number three, in Christ we are graciously empowered by His Word. In verse 16, it's very clear. Chapter 3, verse 16, let the Word of Christ. Interesting. Verse 15, let the peace of Christ. It's there. Let the Word of Christ. Permit it. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness. There it is again, thankfulness in your hearts to God. Listen, if we are not spending time in the word, you can be the coolest looking car uh, out on the parking lot but you open up the hood and there's no engine in it. 
you and I must, if again, being a believer, if you're not in the Word, you're going against what God says. You've got to spend time in the Word. Look at this. Here's letter A. <laughs> letter A. It's as we permit it to be, as we welcome it to be at home. That's what the word dwell means. Let it be at home in your heart. So, I guess the question to ask here at this moment is the Word of God at home in your heart. Or, contrarily, is it a stranger? We need to understand this concept, the Word of God at home in our hearts. What is it that we... Um, what is it that we just keep wanting, you know, to consider in our lives and in, our, in the depths of our heart, as we say? What do we keep going back to? Is it my image? Is it my reputation? Is it my uh, popularity? Is it this? And so, you know, when you, when you spend time in the Word, you realize Jesus said... Things like, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I need the reminder. You need the reminder. Be in the Word. Let the Word dwell in you richly. That leads us to letter B, as we learn more of its supreme value. It's not just the value, it's the supreme value of the Word of God. There's nothing better for us, there's nothing greater for us. And that's why Paul says, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. The more you and I have the, the this understanding of the the word at home in our hearts, the more we recognize the supreme value. Because it's going to prove effective. Listen, it will prove effective in your life to help you grow through trial, grow through testing. It will help you grow to love the Lord more and more. It will grow you and I, to hate sin more. So many of us, we, we, it's like sin is treated just in a frivolous way. Not a big deal. Everyone does it. You know, this is the way the culture is. Yeah, I blow it sometimes. I, I, I mess up. Well, I understand those phrases and that kind of communication. But really, I want... To see us as a body, I want to see me get more um, biblical about sin in my life or in your life. I don't want to, you know, attack and condemn everything that, you know, anything that moves church-wise. No, that's not the idea. 
The idea is to learn about the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. The fear of the Lord is to walk in wisdom. That's a great, great phrase to study more and more because that's a part of our worship. So, Christ has graciously, through His Spirit, empowered us in His Word or by His Word um, that it would be at home in our hearts, that we would learn more of its supreme value. And then the last one, letter C, as we respond. I said at the beginning of the series, worship is uh, the proper response to the what God has revealed. And so how do you and I respond to what God has revealed? Well, here, <laughs> we rejoice. We need to be a, a people that are ready, ready to rejoice, ready to lift Him up, ready to sing praises. You realize in the Bible that when God did something, you know, God's people typically responded with singing. Look at the passage through the Red Sea. All of a sudden, they were singing. Exodus 15. They're singing. Okay? The response to what God has done. And this, I believe, you know, in verse 16, this last half of it, um, is really a lot about, well, it's it's zeroing in on corporate worship. Corporate worship. Because he goes on to say, and this is in our relationships in the body that we teach and admonish one another. Now, that's the, that's the primary job, so to speak, of the pastor-teacher. Okay? We need that. We need the teaching and the admonishing. No, and I always like the idea behind admonishment because a lot of times that's correction. But we need the, the combination to encourage us to keep walking in the Lord in His ways. And notice it says in verse 16 at the end there, look at it. It says, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Not knowledge by itself. We need the knowledge because that is to lead us to being wise in our lives. So it's not about getting more knowledge just to puff up, you know, knowledge in our in our heads, in our brains. <laughs> and so it goes on to say, um, singing... Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Let me just start this little piece of this outline in, in just saying, I, uh, we, the music team, we love it because this is a congregation that joins in with singing. Now, let me say it again. That's not the limitation of worship. That's not just, that's it with worship we sang. No. We're saying this whole idea of this message is to say this is your life. Worship is your life. We come here and we sing songs as a response 
to what God's been doing, and hopefully all week long in your life, and you respond with songs of praise, humbling yourself before Him, giving Him honor. So, (laughs) I could uh, go on about another hour or more about singing. I love to sing. It is one of the best ways, I believe, (laughs) in worshiping God. I want to ask you, what kind of music do you listen to during the week? Maybe you don't listen to any. But if you do, what kind of music do you listen to? As a high school student, I listened to all sorts of garbage music. But at the time, it was the greatest music in the world. But it simply led to more and more worldliness and living by the flesh. And it's still, if I hear, this is a hard one, if I hear one of those songs from back in the day, that stirs up bad, bad memories. And so I'm very, very thankful for the pardon and the forgiveness of sins in Christ. No, it's not all about music and singing, but it's a big piece of a person's life if you just drown out the world and listen to all the secular music. And so I want to encourage you about singing psalms. And I, you might be the worst singer in the world. Some of you have told me, you've come up to me and said, I'm not very good at singing. I don't care. You, you just sing. You can sing by yourself. That might be the safest thing to do. <laughs> but you sing psalms. Psalms. I've got a list of ten And I did that in about five minutes. I I listed out ten psalms to sing. Can you do that? I'm talking about from the psalms. You say, well, that's your job. You're supposed to do that. Well, you're a worshiper, Christian. Are you doing it? Psalm 89. You want to sing it with me? And you go, I don't know. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing. Okay? Okay. We sang one this morning. Come, let us worship and bow down. Whom have I in heaven but thee? Psalm 73. And besides thee, I desire nothing on earth. Psalm 8. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Hear my prayer, O Lord. From the ends of the earth I call. Your peace will lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Uh, It just goes on and on and on. Uh, Simple tunes. Will you and I remember them? Will you and I sing them? What about hymns? Most of you are really good at the hymns. 
Amazing Grace is one of the top favorites. And you know why? I once was blind, but now I see. That's why. It's lyrics. Amazing. Great is thy faithfulness. When I survey the wondrous cross, in Christ alone, newer one, it is well, what? With my soul. Do you know those? Can you, can you start singing? You might not know all four verses or whatever, but can you start singing them to yourself? Spiritual songs. I, I didn't make a list, but I, I made a list. But not of spiritual songs. I made a list of people that are good at these spiritual songs. One of them is Fernando Ortega. The group Shane and Shane. City Alight music. Keith and Kristen Getty. Matt Boswell. Matt Redman, and there's so many more. But you and I have to pay. Uh, we have to pay a little closer attention there. You know why? Because some of those spiritual songs might not be sound doctrine songs. So be alert in that way. You know, we've got KNIS Radio and K Love and New Way. No, I don't know what it. Air one. Christian songs, Christian songs, Christian songs. But be thinking, be examining the, the lyrics. Don't just, oh, that's so good. So be alert in that way. And you do this singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Okay, point number four. We'll wrap it up here. In Christ, um, in Christ, we are totally blessed, faithfully guarded by His peace, graciously empowered by His word, and forth, miraculously transformed. And it's for His glory. For likeness to Christ, verse 17, what does it say? That's the idea. In whatever you do, in whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. And here it is again, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. And so, let's add in this next little, and we're not going to study it, I just want to mention it. John chapter 4, the woman at the well says, well, we, we worship here, and you worship in Jerusalem. And Jesus responded saying, there's going to come a time, and now is, when we'll worship in spirit and in truth. And that's what the Father seeks. So, letter A, under number four, anytime, anywhere, worship. But the main thing is worship corporately. Corporate worship. That's what the vast majority of passages are about. Worship as a body of believers. 
And it goes on in Colossians chapter 3, if, you, if we were to take more time to study it, it's a matter of if you need to be worshiping in the home. That's where he goes next. Talking about husband-wives relationship. And if it isn't happening in the home, it's not going to really stand the tests of life. Because your kids are just kind of look at it like, eh, not a big deal. We don't do that at home. We just do that at church. The value of time spent worshiping at home. And along with that, he goes on to talk about masters and slaves. Well, there you go. Your testimony at work. It should be one of worship. Honoring, glorifying God. Not going along with the, the current of everyone you know, all the popularity stuff or whatever's happening. No, stand strong as a testimony of Christ at work. Develop it at home. And then this idea in letter B from John chapter 4, that we do it in spirit and in truth. And the spirit, note, is little s, not capital S. This is the very deepest part of who you really are. It's not about your thoughts and your feelings. It's about from the depths of your very person. That's where worship comes from, not just your, your uh, idea. Because, the second one, in truth, it's based in God's Word. Worship is based in His Word. True worship does not happen apart from God's Word. God's counsel, God's instruction. And so true worship will always be in line with and driven by God's Word. So we come back to Romans 12. Have you presented your body as a living sacrifice? Now, you can't do that like some of the Old Testament uh, offerings and chop your body up into portions to say, figuratively speaking. You, you don't do that. The verse says, present your body. Everything about you. Wholeness. Fullness. Present your body as a living sacrifice. Wholly devoted to Him. Um, Carl, if you can turn on the, the PowerPoint. Um, I haven't covered everything there is to cover regarding worship. <laughs> There's a number of things that um, I know could have been added in. But listen, do you know you're redeemed? Do you know you're saved? If you don't, we're going to have a couple up front here, and we'd love to have you come and talk to them about what it means to be saved. We've got information that can help you in that way. In your bulletin, there are, there's uh, little segments in there in your church bulletin to tell you how to know Christ as your Savior. If you know the Lord, you've been saved to worship. 
then there's no area of your life that that doesn't cover. So let's keep growing in the truths of God's Word so that we can learn to love Him above everything else. We're going to... We've done this already a couple of times, and uh, I'd like the singers to come. And... uh, In singing this particular song, uh, it's not to imply that it is the top worship song. It's just that it's very clear that um, what is going on in our day and age right now, we need this reminder. He is God eternal. You and I can trust Him through all the storms that are going on. So let's worship Him. Let's stand together and sing. Though the nations rage, kingdoms rise and fall, there is still one King reigning over This truth remains that my God is the ancient of days. There's none above Him, none before Him, all of time in His hands. For His throne it shall remain and ever stand. All the power
standing face to face in the presence of the ancient of days. Not above him, not before him, all of time in his hands, for his throne it shall remain and ever stand. And all the power, all the glory, I will trust in his name, for my God is the Ancient of Days. For my God is the Ancient of Days. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise. There is no one like you, Lord. Help us to walk in your ways and trust you today and through this week. Help us, Lord, in glorifying you and thank you forever and ever for Jesus, our perfect, wonderful Savior, in whose name we pray. Amen. There'll be a couple up front. If you want to pray uh, with them, come on up and talk with them. Thank you so much. You're dismissed.